there's nothing more important that you can do today than to know what value you bring to your organization or to your customer. And if you don't know, ask, because if you're doing those things, your career is going to skyrocket. Your sales are going to skyrocket. Your success is going to skyrocket all because you're adding value. Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. All right, good afternoon. Welcome back to the Access Points podcast. Gavin Marceau, Chief Operating Officer with Access eForms, here today with our owner and CEO, Mr. Tim Elliott, and our Vice President of Sales, Mr. Mike Kelly. How are you doing, gentlemen? Very good. Hello. Hello, everyone. Jump right into another interesting topic, and it's it's a bit of a continuation. We've talked a lot recently about identifying who you are, and it's kind of spawned off a bunch of subtopics centered around that kind of theme. So the one I want to throw out there today, this is one you came up with, Tim, and, and I'm, I'm excited to get into it. And it's how do we, as a team, bring together a very diverse group of people and make them a high performing team. And we are certainly an eclectic group of individuals here at Access eForms Fair. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And is a byproduct of having a you know majority remote workforce. We have people from all corners of the country all different subcultures and upbringings and backgrounds core values and, and backgrounds in the whole nine yards. But we've managed over the last several years and, you know, really the last 20 years managed to bring these group of people together and turn them into what's becoming a pretty darn well-oiled machine. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into that. Let's, how do we do that? Yeah. So, you know, I can remember when I, when I first started the organization, you know, when you go to interview people, you always look for people like you because you think, Oh, well, if they're like me, then they're going to be really smart and they're going to be really good at their job. And they're going to be all the things that you think of yourself that doesn't always work out so well. Right. <laughs> and so there came a point, I remember when we first started the organization, we were in a, a small town and limited number of resources were available to us pretty quickly. It became evident that we're going to have to hire outside of our area. And we're going to have to hire people that can work remotely if we're going to find good people. And so what we started looking for is we started looking for people that were really, really good at what they do. So how can we find the best people at what they do at their job and bring them into the organization, which was a really smart thing to do. However, just like we talked about in the intro, you get some very different folks that think differently, that work differently, that don't have the same background and trying to make all those people march together towards one goal was a little more difficult than I thought it would be. And it took us every bit of 16 years, maybe 17 to really figure out how to do it. Not that we're perfect and we keep figuring out how to do it. But if you take the analogy of this, when I was younger, I grew up every summer going to my grandfather's farm. So I can remember my mother would pick me up from elementary school, last day of school, pick me up. And I was so excited. I'd hop in the car. She'd have my bag packed. You know, look, looking back, she was really ready to get rid of me. <laughs> I, I just thought she was really excited for me. I think she was really ready to get rid of me for a summer. Wow. I just thought of that. That's disheartening. <laughs> but she would, uh, she would put me in the car and we'd head off to my grand, grandparents' house. And we'd go right past their house and go straight out to the fields where my grandfather would be on the harvester or the combine, depending on what area of the country you are, that you, what you call that thing. 
And I can remember seeing him, you know, make his rows of passing. He had uh, Milo or maize, and then he had wheat. So I was usually going up during wheat harvesting season. And so I, he would make two or three passes and he would see us and he would stop the combine. And uh, I would run up there and he'd hop down. He'd put me up the steps. Those of you that have done this before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those things are really tall. He'd get me up on the metal steps. And I'd get up there. And this is back in the day when, you know, he was a really big shop because he had air conditioning in his cab. Mm. You know, this was the first cab combine he'd ever had. But I can remember sitting up there in his lap and he was a man of very few words. We would go three, four hours. And he would never say a word, but I'd sit there on his lap and I'd look over and he would smile at me and he would make this thing do amazing things. And he was always adjusting with it and the thing, and he would finally get full and then they'd pull the truck up and he'd empty the wheat. And those of you that have been in farming know exactly what I'm talking about. And I look back and think, man, what a marvel of machinery that thing was. I think about all the different parts that had to work. And I can remember when something would break, the sickle would might break or, you know, something with the motor might mess up or, and he would have to fix it. But I can remember thinking all those different parts are working together in order to accomplish one task, one goal. And that was simply harvesting wheat. And our organization is not much different. We have a lot of different parts and a lot of different people with a lot of different expertise, a lot of different gifts and making them come together to work towards one goal, one value, one effort, and all of us being on the same page, pretty remarkable. It really is. And that's such a good analogy to the, uh, the combine. And I think it speaks to a lot of companies that are trying to scale. And sticking with that analogy is that you can have a highly effective combine at pulling everything in and putting it inside of the hopper, right? And that's driving revenue. That's bringing in deals for your organization. That's driving top line. It's what pays for everything. But you get that in the hopper and that hopper gets full and the auger's broken. You don't have an ability to offload that wheat into a, an, into a grain truck and get it into town. Then you're not going to be in business very long. But that was us. I mean, it truly, right. truly was. Um, I say that because to go back to the analogy of when we start to hire people, and I've hired a lot of salespeople over the years. Um, I've been down the same pathway of, you know what? I'll just find the people who are like me and we'll, we'll be great. You know, it's failed. <laughs> and, I mean, we've hired some very good ones in the past. We've hired some ones that didn't work out. But my point was, is that as things have changed, not just in the last year with everything that went on, but I'm saying in the last three, five years, the necessity to have people that don't just understand that it's the revenue going in at the top of the, of the combine, but then something's got to come out of it that makes sense. And that was even exacerbated early on when we had professional services over here and we had sales over here and we, you know, there was just this constant, you know, battle between the two that, yeah, we may be putting some stuff in at the top, but it's certainly not, it's not coming out on the bottom. It's not, you know, we're not getting it into the truck and we're not getting it in the silo. So, you know, we had to, we had to change what we were looking for. They can't just be, you know, I've seen some great salespeople and there's an old model called lone wolf out there from the challenger methodology or whatever. And those are the salespeople that are like, you know what? Um, they're great. You just leave them alone and they just go do their thing. I'm telling you that that's the worst model that you could possibly ask for anymore. It just doesn't work today. It's my opinion. And I, hopefully I won't offend the author. Quite frankly, I don't care. But the idea of somebody that is just so single minded focused that I'm just I'm just a guy up here that puts the stuff in the top and I don't care what happens to the bottom doesn't work for us. 
Well, and I think that's that's the crux. And I think, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, it was one of the biggest learning curves for you because you cut your teeth as a sales guy, right? And you yep. know, you live, you breathe revenue generation. But sticking with the grain analogy, the offloading of it into the grain truck was a world that you didn't understand. You don't understand how that auger worked and thus really the importance of it, right? right correct. You're like, we need another combine in order to offset the fact that this auger is broken, <laughs> right? right? And yeah. in really expensive storage machines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there, there you go. But, <laughs> but you know, that is the other side of, of this question of how do you bring a diverse group of together and make them a highly performing team is it's not maybe just about the ability to bring in more, but the ability to understand and implement and make work the people that are going to make the auger go and make the grain trucks go. And think about this, you mentioned this and, and it's, you know, if, if something in the auger is not working, you can't get that off and you can't get that over into the truck, you're done. And think about this. How many times have you guys worked around machinery before? How many times has it been like a $30 part and you can't find it? You can't get it. You try to make it. You try to JV weld it back together, whatever the case is. But it's always that little bitty part that broke that's causing everything else not to work. And, you know, that one thing is what's holding you back. And, and I stop and think about, well, I can just step in there, right? I can just step in there and I'll just do that job. The problem is, man, that's not what... I do well. But then that'd be like your grandpa going and fixing something that he really needs to be the guy pulling all those levers. Right. Exactly. So go back to the question that you asked me at the beginning is how do you make an efficient machine work, right? With all these different parts. And I think the most important thing you can do is make sure that everyone knows really well what their job is and what gifts they have and make sure that you get someone aligned with what they do with who they are. And if, if they're really good at what they do and that's who they are and that aligns with, once again, I'll say it again, they're Colby's, they're Clifton's, and that's where they bring value to the organization and that's where you fit them in and that's where they work best, man, to continue to hone those skills and make them better there. Don't try to make them something they're not. Don't try to plug them in. So just because, how many, gosh, Mike, how many salespeople have we lost because they're really good at sales and we've tried to bring them into management and it just doesn't always work that way. And we're trying to make someone into something that they're not, that they're just not. And the same in professional services, same thing in support, same thing, just development, you know, either if, if they're not really gifted to be a leader or to someone that has vision for where this thing's going to go, man, you know, just because they're good at doing that one task doesn't mean they're going to be good or at least you haven't helped them along to the point where they can be good at it. But once again, you have to have people in the right spot at the right place doing the job that they're meant to be doing. That's when things get efficient. Right? That just may not, it may not be a good fit for them, um, a leadership role, or it could be that, that they're just not ready. They haven't been trained for it. They, they don't have that vision that, that you mentioned there. But I, when, when you're telling this story, I mean, I think the anecdote is so perfect for us because I, I remember the day, I mean, when I first took over, it was, you know, you had a little bit of division between some you know, different departments here in terms of sales and professional services and then, you know, support and all that type of thing. And it wasn't until we really kind of blew up one at a time, we went through and said, okay, let's make that particular department better. And let's figure out a way to get this running the way it should. I mean, and I say running the way it should, what I mean by that guys. And for those of you that are listening is that when you've got top line revenue coming in and you're managing your operational side of the business, let's say you're meeting your expenses and everything else that goes into that. Now you can actually produce something. Now you can do something that's going to be memorable. 
that's what we're here to do is to do something that's memorable and, and create some results and, and dog on it. That's pretty fun times when you can figure that one out. Well, and, and it starts with an understanding that people in your organization are going to think like you. And when you come to the realization that that's a good thing, that's kind of a foundational element for you. And then you realize, okay, so should, you ask yourself the question, how to make these people from extremely different parts of the country who think differently than me, part of a high performing team. You know, I think for us, part of that foundational element past Colby, Colby's and Clifton's was humble, hungry, and smart mm-hmm. yeah. is that I don't care if it's a Democrat from Seattle or a, somebody who's deeply conservative from Mississippi. We are able to analyze and understand, are they humble, hungry, and smart, regardless of their upbringing? And it's going to manis- manifest itself in different ways. But if they can be those things, we don't care where they're from or what they do or, or whatever their upbringing was. We want to know how they think. Can they think the right way? Do they identify with our foundational elements as an organization. And if so, then we can begin to plug them in and make them highly performing. And that I think is a core element for how you take people from all over the country who think differently, who are, who are raised differently and begin to find a centralized theme and a guiding light to then make them a high, highly performing team. What would you call you know, that humble, hungry, smart? Would you call that a, a, would you call that a thought process, a value? What, what is that? I mean, I would say yeah, it's, it's a our, foundational mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. It's our, I mean, it is, it is absolutely our core. So, and I would tell you that, you know, we're looking for ideal team players. We're not looking for in job descriptions and filling roles. I mean, that just, that's not us. When we interview, it's part and parcel to the recap that we're doing about every candidate that we look at is what's the humble score? What's the hungry score? What's the smart score? And I mean, listen, if nothing else, you will leave a, a candidate interview knowing those things pretty quickly. And without that foundational mindset, you're, you're dead on. Without that foundational mi- mindset, I guess really nothing else works. Well, I mean, you've you've lived it, right? You've seen the, the dichotomy of access in places that you've, you've been and led before without those foundational elements. And then when you kind of embraced Patrick Lencioni's concept of humble, hungry, and smart, um, you know, coupled with the mindsets driven by Colby's and Clifton's, we really turned a corner as an organization and we were able to hire for that, hire against that, hire to that. And we do more with less bottom line. You're, you're exactly right. And that's, you know, and that's so much of what we've talked about on the podcast is it's those things that we've learned over the last four or five years. And I got to tell you, if you're listening, it's really difficult and it takes time to implement those the right way. Um, so my recommendation is pick one and start with it. I'd really recommend Humble, Hungry, Smart. You know, the Lencioni book is just fantastic. What's the name of the book? Ideal Team Player. Ideal Team Player, yeah. So I would start with that. Look at that, read it, understand it. It's it's really written and told like a parable or a story. Mm-hmm. And it's easy. it's an easy read, but boy, just dive deep into that thing because that's the foundation that everything has to sit on top of. As you sat there and said that, this, this idea of that mindset, it trickles into all the different areas of, of what we do, specifically on, on the sales side of things. What we've become, we take that same idea, look at the ideal team player, and this is what it takes to be an ideal team player. And, and we're, we're, we're always looking for that and we're, we stay true to that. Much in the same way on the sales side of things, we have ideal customer profile. I mean, we have created that, that profile that we know exactly what an ideal customer looks like to us. And if that customer doesn't meet that criteria, we're not doing them any favors. And they're certainly not doing us any favors by bringing them on as a new customer. That could be anywhere from budgeting to resource allocation to any number of different things. But my point is, is that 
we now know ourselves as a company. We know what it takes to be successful around here. And we don't fudge on those, I guess. You know, it's staying true to those ideals and that core that is what makes us successful. Well, and I think adding in another transformational element for us at Access was the transition from the mindset of we're a family to we're a highly performing team. Uh, we're a high no performance doubt. team. No doubt. Because, you know, people talk about their family. Like if you don't know somebody and you talk to them about your family, you're generally going to lead into it with, I don't like you know, what, a, but no, but you're, you're really going to lead into it with what a great relationship it is that you yeah. have. But when you get to know that person and begin, you begin to peel those layers back, you find out how really toxic a lot of relationships and families are. And so as, as a leader, I would argue that you need to be more of a high performance coach than you do a parent, right? And think about, we can all think back to those coaches that we had that had a wildly huge impact on us growing up and they loved us and they pushed us, but they also held us accountable. And too often as, as parents or as family, you know, you start to, everybody thinks like you and acts like you. So that accountability element of family goes away. But if you can treat them as a high performance team and treat yourself as a high performance coach, then you're going to infuse that level of accountability. And I think accountability is almost that nexus point for, for how you bring people that are different than you and think differently than you, how you bring them together. Yeah, I'm going to say something and some are going to probably disagree with this. That's okay. You learn and you figure it out. And if I'm wrong, tell me, but you can only have one place of unconditional love and that's at home. The workplace is not a place for unconditional love. The reality is we're here to do a job. And if you're bringing value to the organization, you're much loved and wanted here. And if you are not, then you need to go find somewhere else. And you know, that's not the way families work. And when our family, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what stage of life you are, we're going to love you and support you and hold you accountable, but you're always going to be family. The reality is in a work environment, that's not the way it is. Right. You have to ask yourself that question of, are you willing to let one person, because you love them, like insert family member here, bring your entire organization down? Are you willing to shutter the doors because you love this person enough to protect them and not let them go? Or do you support the team and the mission over the top of an individual? And I think, again, that's a huge point of delineation between treating your employees as family and treating them as a high performance team. And that's what we look for in people. I want folks that have their priorities straight. The priorities that you just mentioned, you know, unconditional love at home and high performing team at work. That's the priorities. That's what I'm looking for. It's not looking for folks that are just like me anymore because we're going to put two beliefs and heavy learners on the team. Oh my God, we're going to drive ourselves crazy and we're going to fight all the time. So it's not that, that we have to have people that look like us and, 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 you know, get that ego manifestation. It's all right. What do I need on my team right now? We just saw this in the last few months when there was some transition on the sales side of things. And one of the things that we immediately, my, my brain automatically jumps to is let's get, you know, let's start interviewing and find candidates and that type of thing. And, and Tim, we, we really slowed down and said, okay, let's have a discussion. Let's just say, you know what, what would be perfect for us? What, what does it look like? You know, no holds barred and there was no rules to that discussion. It was just what would be the best thing for us. And that's what came out of it was exactly the way we went. It wasn't finding another salesperson that looks like us that, that says, you know, and works the way we work and all that type of thing. It's, you know what, that revenue producer at the top of the combine, that wasn't what we needed at the time. We needed somebody a little bit further down in the funnel of that combine that's going to do some different type of things for us. And frankly, if we have that, it just helps us move more through there so that we can do even better. 
I think, I think it was Peter Senge. It's the book, The Sixth Sense, if I'm remembering it right. And he talks about the best thing that most organizations can do is go and fire their most highly producing rep. Because oftentimes that ends up being the most toxic person. We end up becoming beholden to this person because we think that if we let them go, then we're going to we're gonna lose and, and the company's going to fail. But it teaches this mindset that everybody in the company understands that they're replaceable and we're all cogs in a wheel. And I don't think that teaches us to run scared as an organization. I just think, I think we all come level set that none of us are going to be here forever. And we all have to perform at a certain level. We all have to be held accountable to that standard. And if we don't, then the mission and the team is more important than us as an individual. Right. And sometimes we forget we're here to provide value to our customer. And, you know, if you get down to what, what is our core mission statement? What is it we're here to do? And that's to serve our customer. And, you know, there are issues in healthcare that our technology fixes. And when we provide that and provide value to our customer, the customer sees that in return, gives us money for that in order to help fix those problems. Everything else has to flow behind that. And without that, nothing else matters. We're not built for a family. We're built to solve a problem. Our organization is here to solve a problem. And all these pieces and parts have to fit together to make this machine work in order to fill that need and to fix that problem that our customers have in healthcare. And you know what's interesting is I talk to customers every day. I tell them that exact thing. You know, if I'm not bringing value to you, you got no reason to listen to me. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. If I don't bring you that value, if I don't share with you how we view the world and see if that's aligned with what you guys and how you view the world and what we can do together that it, that creates something that's going to be uh, valuable and memorable, you know what? Let's part ways now. I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste ours. And, you know, we could not have seen that more clearly in the last year with what went on with COVID. We were providing a lot of value to our customers and some of it was completely off the wall. You know what, we need something right now and it's a particular form or it's a particular process or a workflow or whatever it was, but that's what they needed at that time. Just like what I need during wheat harvest season is gonna be different than what I'm gonna need when I'm harvesting Milo. Okay, so it was the ability to kind of change and in some cases even rely on different people on our team that they came with that strength versus what I'm able to deliver today. Well, and a question that I have is, is value not subjective? We're talking about what we're all here to do is deliver value to our customer, right? And in the context of trying to take a widely diverse workforce and make them a high performance team, do we not have to individually define how different roles bring value to the customer, right? And that was that kind of the third point that I wrote down is, is the vision and then, and then being able to articulate to our team how what they do ties into overall success, right? How they can bring value and how a sales rep brings value to the organization is different than how a customer support rep brings value, which is different, how marketing, which is different than, than HR. And so I think that's an important point for this is, is leaders as an organization, are we defining how the respective roles can bring value? And if you're not, then you're never going to have that convergence of a highly performing team. Thoughts? I think the folks in our organization that understand that best are ones that used to work in a hospital. And I think about the people in our organization that have actually worked in the facility. And many times, a lot of people that work for us now used to be responsible for our application in their facility. And the beauty of that is that they know exactly 
the value it brings to the organization. They know exactly why it's important. They know exactly why, you know, having this just right or this workflow or this trigger, whatever it might be, why that's so important. And it's not just their job because they understand it from the customer side because they've been in that seat and they've looked at us the way they're now looking at the customer. And it's a game changer. I think that's one of the things that makes a huge difference in the value we provide and what is my job and why is my job important? Everybody else you have to teach that to. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, there was an awful situation out in Lubbock, Texas, and it was at one of our particular hospitals. And what had happened was over the weekend, there was a baby that was born, a grandmother that some kind of, you know, breakdown with the family or whatever, and ended up coming into the hospital and taking the baby and jetting away from the hospital. And there was a manhunt. I mean, there was, it was all over the news and everything else. And they, they did find her over in New Mexico or something and everything turned out fine, but it was at one of our facilities. And if you remember back in the day, we were doing things like printing, you know, mother, father, baby wristbands, you know, it was a mom's wristband, a dad's wristband and a baby's wristband and ankle barcoded wristbands that would identify these patients. And there were all kinds of tools in hospitals to, that would stop the elevators or that would alarm or any kind of, if you took that baby off of that ward. Okay. And, but it was that this particular hospital didn't have it. And there was an analyst in this hospital that said, without what we have in terms of the forms automation side of things, we'd have been in so much more trouble. Now, granted, they, this was a terrible situation that was, that turned out okay, but it was one of those things that person, that person knew what we could deliver and what the value to our solution was because we were able to identify at a time when it's terribly fluid and you don't know who to trust, you can identify moms and babies and, and dads and whoever's in this, you know, that at least get us to that point so that we can hopefully try to fix this situation. It's an interesting thing. We actually hired that person. So it was, it, it worked out pretty well. And that's, and that's, what's important too, is, you know, if you're a business owner or you're responsible for understanding what your customer does and how your, your solutions solve problems for the customer, Boy, if, if you don't continually ask your customer what that is that you do or how you help or hear those stories, you know, it, it's hard to remember what your value proposition truly is. And that value proposition can change over the years and your product and solution has to change. And if you're not talking to those people, it's, you know, that's tough, which goes back to, it's really nice to have people in our organization that have been there before that can give us that feedback. I think, I don't know if you remember Davin, we had a couple of new employees in the last probably six, I don't know, six to eight months that um, came from one of our organizations. Now, everybody understand, I did not hire them from my customers. I don't do that. <laughs> they had left and gone somewhere else and I hired them from there. But one of the first things I wanted to do was interview them. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I said, before they, before they get trained, before they get, you know, accessized, before we start really getting after and tell them all the, all the things that we do, I want to talk to them. And I want, to, I want to hear from their mouths what we did well, what we didn't do well, what they liked about what we did, what they liked about the product, what they didn't like about the product while it's still fresh. Before they get ingrained in us and become rah-rah cheerleaders, right? I want to hear the bad stuff. I want to hear the negative stuff. And that's important. You know, still go back to that, what we read in the original question, how do we become efficient? How do we become better? How do we become very smooth in what we do and all work together? Well, you have to know what the customer expects. Get the right people in place at the right place at the right time in the organization with the customer experience so that the customer sees your machine as a well-oiled machine. And 
it's sometimes easier said than done. Well, and I think that's part of that process of continuously evolving and reevaluating what it means to be valuable. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think back to any time that we failed as an organization, we failed our customer, right? We failed to bring value. I think it's been one of three things. I think it's, it's because we've, we either failed to bring them value. We failed to hold somebody accountable or we failed to have that foundational mindset. We treated somebody like, like a family member. And it's been a tough lesson for us to learn over the years. And I think that's really the big three takeaways for this podcast is, is how do you bring a group of people together and make them a highly performing team? Starts with the foundation for us. It's humble, hungry, and smart. And it's Colby's and Clifton's. And then you have the accountability metric, right? Stop treating your people like family and start treating them like a team. And with that team comes accountability and then it's vision. And then it's being able to articulate to them how individually they bring value and contribute to overall organizational success. And if you can do that, and if you can do that continuously and iteratively and with a fresh approach every time, every six months, we do it through OKRs, then I think you're going to be able to bring people together and you're going to be able to have a team that performs highly regardless of if they're from all over the country or if they're from a small town in East Texas. Thoughts? Yeah, I I know that, you know, the value you bring to this podcast is taking our individual rants (laughs) <laughs> and ideas that go all over the place and bring them together to bring three points about for our listeners so they can actually follow it. Dis- Thank you. Distilling it down. Yeah. I, the thing I'll mention along with what you said was protecting that core, that humble, hungry, smart, and our principles in terms of uh, strengths and Colby's Clifton's, that type of thing. You know, when we're interviewing, whether or not we're interviewing or whether or not we're holding somebody accountable, those are the standards that we preach every day. And we live every day. So to me, you know, that's what gives us the confidence to be able to do the things we need to do is that we always have that to go back to. And if you use that as a litmus test, you'll never go wrong. Yeah. And I think the last point that I'm going to bring up is, you know, a tidbit for an individual, whether you're at the C-suite level or whether you're, you know, a a frontline worker is don't base your value off of something you did a year ago or six years ago, or maybe even six months ago. And again, this is part of the that constantly and continuously evolving and establishing how you bring value, but don't think you're going to be valuable forever because you made a big sale a couple of years ago. Redefine that because if you don't, you're going to find yourself stale. And if you have leadership that does redefine value, you're going to find yourself on the short end of the stick. And there's a pretty long list of former employees here at Access that failed to heed that piece of advice. And I I tell you, if, if you don't know how you provide value, if you seriously don't know, ask. Go to who you work for, whoever that is, and ask, hey, how do I provide value to you? How do I provide value to the organization? And how can I do a better job of providing value? Simple questions. You're actually going to be pretty surprised at how simple of an answer you're going to get. But I got to tell you, there's nothing more important that you can do today than to know what value you bring to your organization or to your customer. And if you don't know, ask. Because if you're doing those things, your career is going to skyrocket, your sales are going to skyrocket, your success is going to skyrocket, all because you're adding value to your supervisor, to your manager, to your organization, to your customer, whoever it is, or at home, to your family. And, and don't just ask it up. Have the courage and the lack of ego to ask it down. Yeah, that's really tough. You know, ask your people, you know, seek feedback from your people, because again, they're the eyes and ears of the organization. So are you willing to listen to them? Are you willing to listen to how you can do better and how you can do better as an organization? And be humble enough to, to listen and don't argue back or don't be defensive. Absolutely. Mike, any, any final thoughts? No, I think you guys said it all. And again, you know, look, 
We have a big listener base. We talk about this in just about every podcast. We're not the subject matter experts at all things business and all things teams. You know, we've got a lot of experience and we try to apply that wisdom, but we learn from you guys as listeners. So we wanna know how you guys have done it. How do you as businesses, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, bring together a group of people to make them a highly performing team? I mean, sync up with us on social media, sync up with us on the website or on the comment section of this podcast. Let us know how you do it so we can learn from you and get better. Just like we hope you learn from us and get better. Absolutely, good. Gentlemen, appreciate your time and I look forward to the next one. Thanks Thanks, everyone, we'll see you.